Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today marks the debut of our award-winning series, We Live Here. Producer reporters Camille Stanley and Tim Lloyd launched their new series of reports today. In this season four, they are focusing on race, culture, and St. Louis housing. Kim and Tim joined me in studio. You're off to a great start, as I mentioned to you off the air. It sounds terrific. Thank you so much. Another good season yeah. coming. Tim, let me start with you. Is, okay. is the focus going to be totally and solely on housing during this season? Yeah, yeah. it will. Uh, and, you, you know, I have to give full credit to Camille. It was her idea initially to, um, uh, to, to focus the season around housing. And initially when she brought it to, to me – I was like, well, you know, maybe that seems a little too narrow. I told him I had a crazy idea. Yeah, you said you had a crazy <laughs> idea. So let's just do the whole season around housing. I was like, I don't know. Maybe we should make it bigger or whatever. Um, but the deeper we got into it, it just started really making sense. I mean, and when you think about where we are now and going into our fourth season, you know, we've covered a lot of topics and we've been in, you know, on this show many times talking about a number of things. Uh, but where you live, it's in our name. Mm-hmm. And it just made a lot of sense the deeper we got into it, and we're very excited about it. Uh, Camille, I called you Kim a moment ago just to see if you were paying attention. I was, but <laughs> I figured we could take that fight yeah. off the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get our editors. Yeah, right, exactly. Live radio. But there, there's a whole ripple effect, uh, Camille, to the uh, – to the housing story. I mean, it's more than just a story about where people live. Mm-hmm. It's what's going on around them. Totally. And here in St. Here in St. Louis, um, you know, housing and segregation are just, you, you can't mention one without the other. Mm-hmm. And so we're really going to focus on that aspect of it. Um, and it, it just so happens that when we decided to do this, we didn't tell anybody for a really long time. It was kind of our little secret as we kind of figured out, could we really do this? Like kind of could we take on this challenge to do something new and to try to push the podcast further? Um, But then once we started, like, testing the balloon in the community and just with other people, we figured out that there actually is a lot of energy right now um, in the region around around segregation and housing. And so it just feels like the stars are aligning. Yeah, there was a big conference here just this week. Uh, mm-hmm. d- dismantling the divide was uh, really the operative phrase for all of that. Yeah, we were there all day yesterday. Yeah, and and they were dealing with an issue or are, have been dealing with an issue on the issue of eviction and nuisance ordinances. And that is really the focus of, uh, of episode number one that's out today, correct? It is. Um, this is actually something that Tim and I have been chipping away at for I think a long time. Yeah, it's been a little of, while. It's yeah. been a long time. So we have been really wanting to dig into nuisance stuff for months and months and months. And it's a story that we put down and came back to and put down and came back to because we both, I think, really recognized that it was something super important. Um, and then once we figured out that we were going to do something different with this season and we were going to focus on the housing, we were like, we're coming out the gate with this. Um, and so we've been working on this, uh, these reports for a while. We're going to hear a clip in just a moment. But, Tim, for the edification of our audience who don't know what nuisance ordinances are, mm-hmm. what are they? Well, they're, uh, in most towns and municipalities, they, they have uh, public nuisance ordinances. And a lot of the time, these are on the books to – you know, do things like deal with, let's say, a, a rowdy nightclub or something like that that's mm-hmm. causing problems in the neighborhood. They can bring uh, a public nuisance uh, violation to a nightclub or perhaps shut it down. Uh, that's one sort of like common application. Or maybe like somebody who has like a ton of weeds in the right. yard. You know, like they're, they're trying to prevent kind of like general order of, of a city or a place. Right. The way it looks and the way it operates. They're punitive. 
they can be. Yeah. Um, and there's a concern among housing advocates in St. Louis and really across the country that in some instances, these public nuisance laws are being turned against people of color, mm-hmm. uh, victims of domestic violence, um, the mentally ill at, at times. And um, th- yeah, there's just a lot of concern about the way in which these public nuisance laws can be used against perhaps vulnerable groups of people. Mm. Let's listen to that clip. Uh, Camille, do you want to uh, – or Kim, I should say. Camille, do you want to – Kim, Camille. <laughs> whatever, whatever. I told you we'll take this you, off the air now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> set, set this up for us yeah. if you would. Uh, so we kind of stumbled into this uh, this story a while ago when we were – we met a woman named Fredika Mitchell – um, who we had actually went to interview her about Section 8 vouchers. And when we went to go, we went to her house, which is in Dutchtown, and she ended up telling us about something that had had a far bigger impact, a deeper impact on her, and that was her experience with um, nuisance ordinances in this region. Yeah, I think we're going to hear at the top of this clip her talking about how much she loved being a resident of Tower Grove East, but how her experience, especially with uh, the nuisance ordinances, um, that changed her experience pretty quickly. Let's let her tell the story. It was nice and comfortable, but as it got warm, you know, more people would come out into the neighborhood. And I remember one particular moment where I was giving my son a bath and um, I had the door cracked and he was young. He was really young. And I put on his uh, underpants and he ran out the door, the front door, and I ran after him to bring him inside of the house. And I a knock, I heard a knock at the door, and it was the police. They said, uh, someone called and said that there's a young child running around the neighborhood naked, unsupervised. And I thought to myself, what? A couple of weeks later, got another call from the uh, the police came to my home again and they were saying that kids were in the street unsupervised screaming at the top of their lungs and they're always out after hours you know stuff like that that that's when the phone calls began you know and I started getting visits from the city Fredika's neighbors in this slowly gentrifying part of St. Louis were making some wild claims. They accused the mother of five of running an illegal daycare out of her own home. They outed Fredika on Facebook as someone who used a Section 8 housing voucher. They called her and anyone who visited her suspicious. City officials never substantiated any of the claims. This went on for six years. I mean, six years? Six years. It got so bad that Fredika's landlord sold the building because he was tired of the harassment. But because of the sheer number of service and police calls generated to her home, she was slapped with the label, being a public nuisance. It, 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 it was just, it was crazy. I, I had no peace. Now, it would be easy to think that maybe Fredika just got stuck with some really 
really bad neighbors. But that would ignore what many people say is a systemic attempt by many cities to sift through who they do and don't want in their communities. They do it by using nuisance ordinances, which are basically local laws that govern things like trashy lots and noise violations. Nuisance ordinances aren't uncommon. As a reporter in Florida, I remember a town using its law to shut down a rowdy nightclub. But there's been a shift in recent years to use these laws against people, as well as businesses. What's more, housing advocates and legal experts say these nuisance laws often target specific groups of people: black people, poor people, people with disabilities and mental health issues, and domestic violence victims. And the St. Louis region, they say, is leading the pack. This is something that happens a lot in our community, amongst, from my experience, the people that I've talked to, amongst African Americans. I've been through so much hell、mm-hmm. coming from Tower Grove East. You know, I thank God that He blessed me to be able to come here and have peace. You know, because I I wouldn't be able to take it. You know, to come move. I was just saying when I was looking for places, I said, Lord, I don't want to be nowhere where folks don't want black folk. So on today's show, we explore just what happens when communities label a big chunk of their citizens, often poor, black, disabled, and battered, as public nuisances. And we wade into the fight against these laws. All right, that's Camille Stanley and Tim Lloyd of We Live Here, and a segment from their first episode, which debuts today. Camille, you're going to wade into it, and how so? And and I assume you want change. Obviously, nobody wants to、uh, continue a situation like this. How do you affect change? You know, there's already、um, there's already a movement afoot to try to change these laws or to get tweaks to these laws, and so、um, you know, there are two. And just in our region, there were two、uh, federal lawsuits that originated here,、um, having to do with、um, the city of, of Maplewood, actually, and its nuisance ordinance.、Um, one of those has been、um, uh, uh, dropped or dismissed, and one is still going.、Um, and we will be following to see like where that where that goes.、Um, but a big a big problem with、um, With these stories, is that it can be very opaque to figure out what exactly、mm-hmm. is going on, especially、mm-hmm. here in the St. Louis region, because, <clears throat> as most people know, we have so many different municipalities who have all different types of codes, and particularly the people who are who are affected by these,、um, often you know they can face real consequences, whether it's、mm-hmm. being kicked out of a town or like Fredika, who we just heard, who is just there's so much pressure. She ended up moving from a neighborhood that she loved,、mm-hmm. that she was attracted to because of its、uh, diversity, and that is often held up、um, around our city as like a, a, a gem. I used to live in Tower Grove East.、Mm-hmm. I actually found out when we were doing the story that Fredika and I lived a block from each、mm-hmm. other, and I had a lot of good feelings about the.、Um, About the neighborhood, and she did too until she had a completely different experience.、Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when people, when vulnerable people like that are affected by laws, often we don't hear about them、um, for good reason. And so, that's that's part of the problem. Yeah, and I should say too. I mean, it's not just simply about having a law in the books; it's how that law is is enforced,、mm-hmm. um, and the fact that. Oftentimes, these hearings are not necessarily part of a, a court, the court system.、Mm-hmm. It's difficult, and trust, trust me, we've been going through as much as we can to quantify what's the scale of this.、Mm-hmm. 
you know, beyond just an individual story. And it's difficult to do because it's not necessarily going through a court system. So you have, uh, even if the laws look exactly the same in different municipalities, you can't really know on the on a larger scale um, who they're affecting and, and, and how they're being used. Tim Camille brings up a good point, though, when mm-hmm. she talks about the opaqueness of all of this. Right. You know, I've often referred on this program to the invisible parts of our community. The right. people, the population that we're talking about is basically invisible to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And even though we know that there's a Fair Housing Act that's been on the book for 50 years, not everything's fair about the Fair Housing Act. No. To these people. No. And it was actually we were uh, – listening to Richard Rothstein, who I know you've had on the show, yeah. uh, author of Color of Law, uh, talk yesterday, and he brought up a, a really good point, which was that even uh, though it's the 50th, technically the 50th anniversary of the passage of the Fair Housing Act, uh, the enforcement mechanisms weren't there when it was initially passed. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen until 1988. So, um, y- you know, absolutely. I mean, these are stories uh, in our community that, uh, for whatever reason, uh, aren't necessarily being told at, at a larger scale. And I think that's a big part of the way that we uh, produce our show. We like to sort of think among the two of us that we're almost auditing systems based on stories from real people. Um, how, how are these laws, how are these systems really affecting people? And I think that um, when you hear the, the sort of – you can look at the numbers all you want. But when you hear uh, a person's voice and you hear sort of the ache in their voice about the way in which a system has treated them – that has a different effect on the listener than just us rattling off numbers. Camille, do you have any numbers? Is there a percentage of the population that is more fully exposed to this sort of thing than others? We don't know. In one of the federal um, lawsuits that was filed, one of the ones that was um, uh, dismissed, um, they had attempted to try to figure out the scale as well. This was, this came from, um, from EHOC, from the Equal Housing and Opportunity Council, the local one. And um, they had found... Uh, over the course of, I think, about a year, they had found, um, I think, maybe close to 50, I was gonna say close close to 50, 50 yeah. cases mm-hmm. that they knew mm-hmm. of and uh, could see that uh, there was a racial dis- um, disproportionality there in terms of the percentage of people who were being targeted in some sort of way by these laws uh, relative to the population. I'm talking about black people here. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, um, I don't want to give too much away, but this is a topic and an issue that we'll be, cover- we'll be following throughout our entire season, although it won't be the only issue that we that we touch on under the kind of big umbrella of housing. Um, but a big part of this is Tim and I letting the public know that, like, we'll be following this and we need your help. We yes. need to – we're going to be essentially asking <clears throat> for some – the 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 collective uh, everybody in St. Louis to let us know like have you been affected by these nuisance mm-hmm. laws and in what ways and then we'll we'll do follow ups based on that yeah and we'll be rolling out we should say probably in the next couple of weeks a tool that people can use to yeah. simply submit their their story and experience with nuisance laws or if they know someone who's experienced a, a nuisance law in a negative way nuisance laws in, in episode one uh, very quickly what are some of the other issues that you can tell us about uh, we're going to look uh, more specifically at evictions we're going to do some work around the history uh, of, of housing in St. Louis, which, as you know, is, is rich, especially when it comes to gentrification. Mm-hmm. gentrification. Yeah. Sure. Um, Ten years later after the foreclosure crisis, um, some of the local solutions that people yeah. are tossing around here um, from everyday folks to people who have made national headlines. Right. How, how can folks subscribe to We Live Here? Uh, well, uh, there's a, we're on every kind of podcasting app that there is, or so I'm told, because <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know all of them. But no, uh, really, uh, just Google how to subscribe to a podcast. That'll give you some instructions. Then uh, open up whatever app you like and look for We Live Here. You we'll can also go to welivehere.show. Right. 
Tim Lloyd, Camille Stanley, thank you so much. Keep thank up the you. good work. Support for We Live Here comes from the Hammond Institute at Lindenwood University. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.